I'm Matt Littman, Executive Director of 97%. Today, we're doing our tag series, talking about guns with Justin McFarlane in Florida. Justin has a very interesting background. Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background for our audience today? Sure, sure. So uh, thanks for having me, first of all. And I'm really glad to be here and, and excited to talk to you. Uh, so originally, I'm from New York. I grew up about an hour north of New York City. Uh, and then from there, um, I went to undergrad at West Point. Uh, and served for about five years in the Army, um, stationed domestically, but then also serving in Iraq and, and stationed in Germany as well. Uh, after that, I uh, got out of the Army in 2010 uh, and pursued a you know, career in a, uh, just kind of civilian sector, went back to school, went back to grad school. Uh, and sort of outside of that, you know, sort of became interested in, more interested, I'd say, in sort of the, the firearm space, just as a hobby. Uh, I'd kind of grown up around firearms, so to speak, in the military. Um, but as a civilian, I hadn't really touched them as much um, and then just kind of decided to uh, kind of get into it a little more as a hobby once I once I got out and um, gotten my uh, NRA certification as a pistol instructor. And, and since then have kind of uh, just been a, a bit of a tinkerer uh, as well as an advocate uh, for uh, firearm safety. So you do have an interesting background. We try to talk to people on the show from different types of backgrounds with different views on the gun issue, uh, and you are have been advocating for stronger gun safety laws. Is that right? I have, I, although, and I use the word advocate as well. I, I try not to call myself that because I don't really view myself as, as an advocate per se. It's it's more uh, a storyteller and an educator, um, and that's sort of how I got my start in sort of this community and in these conversations was uh, as an ed educator, um, as a gun owner, you know, talking to people about. Um, some of the ins and outs of uh, the weapons themselves as they're having conversations around gun safety and gun policy. Um, as someone who believes in you know, responsible gun ownership, um, and, and every, you know, every time I, I would see a, a shooting or uh, something happen in the news, it would just make me cringe on the inside. Um, as people would uh, have conversations and say things um, that would immediately turn off any type of uh, conversation uh, with gun owners on that topic, on that incident. Um, and it's, you know, little, little nuances like, you know, calling things a clip and, and things of that nature that I tried to just educate people on. As I started having these conversations more and more, um, then I started to pivot a little bit as I started to understand and learn more about the impact of guns on the minority community. And that's mm -hmm. where it kind of gets a little bit personal to me. Um, I think it really kind of hit home in 2015. Let's uh, get a little sad. I'm sorry. In 2015, uh, I had a son pass away. He was three years old, and in that, like, it was just uh, uh, the empathy that I, it allowed me to now feel for other people's loss. Um, having you know, gone through my own loss and my own grief, it, it really made me feel you know, every person that 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 passes away from gun violence, every one person that passes away from suicide, every person that. You know, passes away because uh, a firearm wasn't uh, uh, safely uh, stored. You know, that's not just you know, impacting that person, but it's their family, it's their friends. It's a ripple effect. And so for me, it was, I just felt like every, you know, anything that I could do to talk to people, to, to teach them to you know, store their guns safely, to you know, put policies in place that will get, you know, uh, prevent people from uh, obtaining weapons uh, and using them in, for nefarious means. You know, anything that I could do to try to prevent another death is is something that is worth doing. 
And that's sort of how I got my start into this. Well, I didn't know that story. I'm sorry, obviously, uh, to hear that. But <laughs> I'm sorry. To hear that. Um, you know, you served in Iraq, you said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was there from, uh, who was that, January to December of uh, 2008. In the more recent uh, uh, Iraq war. It did, um, did you find, did you talk about guns with the veterans, with your fellow soldiers in a way that you would know whether or subsequently where many of them stand on the gun issue? Do they think that... I do. I mean, and, and like these days, you know, I get together with, you know, folks that I you know, served with or, or, you know, people that uh, uh, I work with now that are also veterans and we go to the range and we shoot and, and we talk, you know, about different things, including policies, especially when, you know, uh, you know incidents do pop up uh, as they do, you know, recently. And a lot of them, you know, agree with a lot of the, the the things that are being put on paper. I think the challenge is some of the rhetoric around it. Right. Um, and they don't fully understand what it means. And, and people tend to get hung up on little kind of onesies, twosies and idiosyncrasies and nuances and things of that nature but without really understanding sort of the, the holistic picture and, and the impact the policies can make. Interesting. Uh, so so would you say, though, that, Justin, they – hear from cert- certain messengers they probably don't trust. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, there's certain messengers they don't trust. Obviously, you know, when I mean, it's, a, it's a highly politicized topic. Um, so, you know, when they hear things from you know, the, you know, the, the, the side that they don't agree with necessarily, then they're automatically going to kind of tune that out. But I think at, at the baseline, you know, as veterans and as you know, gun owners, we, we believe in training, safety, and accountability. Those are fundamental ideals that are kind of beaten into you uh, while you're in the service, uh, especially with regards to firearms. And I think that you know, once we kind of take that, those lessons and those ideals out of you know, the, the military context and bring them to the civilian context when we have our firearms and they think about that, then I think all of these policies, all of these laws will definitely make more sense to them. I mean, accountability, for example, I mean, that's a lot of what background checks are all about. That's because right. when you have a, a firearm, it's something it can't be at a state level because it's going to be moving across states. So people don't necessarily stay in the same place all the time. So it's possible for that firearm to move around. And so you have to have accountability. You have to have make sure that the person who is possessing that firearm and using it and transporting it is responsible and that they're going to be accountable for it. And that they're going to be um, you know, doing the right thing and making sure that it doesn't get into the hands of other people that might not be as responsible as they were. And that's, that's right. What, that's what background checks are about. Making well, that's sure your that, fellow, yeah. your fellow soldiers know how to use a weapon. They have experience. They're almost like a role model in that sense. Not yeah. everybody is as experienced. And then you have certain people who may not have the best intentions when they have a weapon, right. um, which is bad for everyone. So I think what, what you're saying is many, certainly not all, but many of course, uh, all. Uh, veterans okay. favor things like background checks but they may not want to hear about it from politicians, right? There's probably a better message. And and if you were to kind of break down sort of what the details are uh, as far as what the policy would entail and explain it to them, they'd be like, oh, that's common sense. That's not already in place. People can really do that. Like that doesn't make sense. And then a better messenger than a politician, for example, would be Justin McFarland. Ding, ding. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) veterans are, are, are great messengers. Um, and, and, and you no know, gun owners, people that are out there you know, doing the same thing with them or have done the same thing with them. Right. Um, to kind of, you know, kind of tell that story. 
You wrote an op-ed that we read in the Tampa Bay Times where you talked about the need for federal background checks. When I had this conversation on Facebook or some social media type thing, somebody will inevitably say to me, we already have background checks, so why do we need to do anything else? How would you answer that question about why federal background checks are important? Yeah, and, and I touched on in that in that article. You know, the the policies in place right now around background checks were put in, in place in you know, the 1980s. Uh, you know, I was in elementary school. The internet really wasn't a big thing, and, and right now, you know, a lot of sales are transpiring over over the internet, and it's a lot of legal sales. Uh, and I don't want people to get confused because not all sales online are illegal, uh, or or not all sales online are avoiding background checks because you can go online, purchase a firearm and have it shipped to a federally licensed firearm dealership dealer and pick it up there, have your background check run and then go home you know, 30 minutes later, like I've done many times. The issue is when there's a platform or a website that allows people to sell these uh, weapons without the background check, sell them and meet you know, in a parking lot somewhere and just give them you know, a couple hundred dollars or trade them X, Y, and Z and then walk home with, with a rifle or a pistol. I think that's part of the issue that we need to, to close is providing this avenue or allowing this avenue uh, for people to, to make these sales uh, between strangers. We're not talking about you know, me going you know, to my buddy's house and, and you know, he's giving me $500 for, for my used Glock 19. Now we're talking about sales between strangers. We're talking about you know, transactions where I don't know your background, you don't know my background, and yet this uh, you know, transaction for a weapon is taking place. That's the loophole that we're trying to close. That's the, the, the issue that's at hand. And it's a big issue. One yeah. point, I believe it was a, well, 1.2 million, um, I believe, sales uh, or, or postings, I would say, uh, were on this website you know, annually. Uh, so, and that's just one of many. Uh, I think they. And none of those sales would require background checks. I'm not going to say none, but it's on the the onus is on the person posting. Got it. Okay, so, 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 so could be no requirement exactly. So it's, it's whoever's posting it. Some of, some of the posts are from dealers, but a lot yeah. of them are from just individuals who are just saying, "Hey, I've got a extra rifle or extra pistol. Anybody want to buy it?" Uh, and that, and like like I said, that's that's a little bit of a problem when it's you know. And how do people, Justin, how do people in your peer group react to red flag laws? Uh, and I think that's a, a, another a little bit of a tricky one because there's a, a bit of a hesitation in, in uh, how things will be used. There, there, there's a bit of a kind of a, I'm not going to say a conspiracy uh, because I don't want to downplay, you know, anyone's you know, fears or, or things of that nature, but there's a hesitation on how the data is going to be used, how is it going to be stored, and the privacy you know, around those topics. Uh, and I think that's part of what, what again, kind of drives people to uh, uh, kind of stay away from those types of laws. Um, again, me personally, I'm not one that, that thinks that that's a big issue. I'm a big fan of red flag laws. I think that they're a great idea. Um, and it's something that I also, you know, talk, try to talk to my you know, friends and family and colleagues about when I'm shooting. We just did the speak and research study, Justin, and 84% of gun owners in the study favor background checks. Yep. The number for red flag laws is about two thirds, almost 66, which is still very high of gun owners, not as high as background checks. Yeah. But about two thirds and then three quarters were OK with markings on the gun that allow a gun to be traceable, which kind of surprised me. Mm hmm. 
Um, but those were some interesting findings that we uh, that we had about background. Yeah, and, and the markings. I mean, that's that's what's in place right now. You know, guns yeah. are, are serialized, and when you get a background check and and purchase the weapon, you know that is, uh, uh, you know, it said you know which one you're purchasing. Um, and I think part of the the issue that at least I've heard anecdotally is when it comes to tracing things back from uh, from a crime. So. A crime is committed. You have a, a, the ability to figure out, you know, what the weapon was, but now figuring out how to trace it back to its original source, the owner, the store, things of that nature. It's a very long, sort of convoluted process to to try to do that. And I think that's where you know those firearms, those markings, can can really be helpful in making sure that you know all firearms have that. And I think this is what's really coming up in the P80 community uh, and the P80 cases and things of that nature. The 80 percent. Uh, 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 cases where people are able to manufacture firearms at home without having to go through any types of background checks, yep. without having anything serialized, and then uh, you know an hour or two hours later have a fully functioning firearm in their garage. So, Justin, I'm going to switch over to. We often do a rapid fire thing, but we're going to do it a little sure. bit differently for you because I want to hear from you. You're an NRA certified instructor, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so you do training. I do. And so what are, what would you say are the fundamental gun safety rules that you teach someone? Yeah. And, and I would say this isn't just me. I think this is across the board. You know, everyone will agree. There's no four fundamental, you know, gun safety rules. Number one is keeping your finger off the trigger until you are, you know, confident about your sight, sight picture and you're ready to, to fire. And you never put your finger on the trigger. Uh, number two, make sure you're treating all firearms as if they're loaded. Whether or not you, you know, cleared it yourself and put a range flag in or you saw somebody else clear it, you just always want to make sure that you assume the firearms are loaded, um, especially if you're just picking it up and, and just seeing it for the first that time. That might have just happened on a movie set. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, and I believe somebody even yelled out, you know, clear firearm, but nobody yeah. really checked. So yeah. um, you always have to make that assumption. Um Number three, don't point the firearm at anything that you do not intend to destroy. So that's you know, people, animals, pictures, whatever it might be. You know, you do not point it at anything unless you're intending to destroy that 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 item. Uh, and the number four, I would say, is you know, going a step beyond that. Make sure you know what's behind your target, because you know sometimes, you know, especially you know, this happens in you know, hunting. You know, where you might shoot and and it'll penetrate one thing but you might not know what's on the other side of that thing uh so making sure that you know what's beyond your target and that you're not going to hit something that you do not mean to hit afterwards right, right. um it's interesting because when we talk about that movie so it sounds like they did everything wrong based on what you just told them <laughs> right because they were pointing the gun at somebody yep. right they obviously hadn't checked it they pointed it at somebody everything went wrong and yeah. somebody lost their life uh, from it. Somebody else was badly injured. Yeah. Uh, at, at the end of these um, interviews, Justin, we asked someone to, oh, you know what I want to ask you? What surprises people the most when they come into the gun range the first time they haven't held a gun maybe ever? What what shocks them? Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's the recoil, um, you know, especially for some of the larger calibers. Uh, if they're not used to shooting, if they've never shot before. I mean, what you see in TV and in the movies where kind of people will hold it and it'll fly out of their hand. If nobody shows them how to hold it properly, that's you know very much can happen. Uh, but I think what I simultaneously with that, what I try to teach people is you know, the fundamentals and, and the basics. Because regardless of you know how large of a caliber rifle or how large of a caliber pistol, 
know, making sure you, you're sticking with the fundamentals, making sure you're being safe and, and kind of getting the basics down before you're graduating to, to larger and bigger things. Do you work at a specific range? Uh, I don't. I don't. I work at a couple different ones, uh, primarily kind of uh, with friends and family and, and uh, okay. uh, by referrals. In Florida? Yep, here in Florida. What town are you in? Uh, so I'm in the Melbourne Space Coast area. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, all right. When we when we wrap up, we usually ask someone, Justin, to tag somebody because we have this very clever acronym tag yep. talking about guns. Um, and uh, and they tag somebody and then we maybe we'll talk to that person at a later date. Is there somebody you'd like to tag for us to speak with? Yeah, I think that there's a couple people, you know, you, you might want to reach out to. One's a good friend of mine. Uh, Chris Marvin, who who has done a lot of great work with me uh, on this topic as well as uh, topics related to other veterans' issues, um, and I think another great person is Jonathan Metzl. He wrote an amazing book called uh, "Dying of Whiteness," and it touches on you know, uh, gun policy as well as other policies such as education and healthcare that I think are really really relevant uh, uh, to the same kind of community uh, that we engage on this topic. Those are great recommendations. Thank you. Uh, Justin, uh, you're, as you know, a very interesting guy. Um, you've got a really fascinating background. You've done some great stuff. Uh, and we appreciate it because you're making people safer. I so, try to. I try to. Yeah. So thank you very much, Justin. Uh, and thank you for joining us on TAG. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds thank good. Thank you.